Welcome to the Real Life Arizona podcast, the latest sermons from the Sunday worship gatherings of Real Life Ministries Arizona, delivered weekly right here. Let's get to this week's message. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for being here. I love that every week, by the time I get up here to share with you guys, uh, my heart's already full, and that's just a good place. That's just a good place to be operating from. Well, we're wrapping up a series this week, and I and I thought before we did um, that, that maybe I would help to tie it into. Uh, the vision and mission that we believe God has given us as Real Life Arizona. And I know this has been shared with with some of you, but um, others of you have probably not heard this or or been exposed to it or even had a chance to uh, familiarize yourselves with it. Uh, but, But the vision that we believe that God has given us is to be a community of disciple makers. Um, And and all those words (laughs) are important. Uh, to be a community of disciple makers uh, who follow Jesus. That's our first part, um, that we're we're following Jesus. Um, And then we also devote ourselves. It's a key word in in Acts chapter 2 about the church and how they were devoted to one another. Um, And and so we devote ourselves to authentic relationships uh, where love, healing, and growth are fostered. Uh, and so that's the vision that we believe that God has given us, to be, to be that type of community, to be those types of people. Um, but, but as people enter, they would know that this is a place where love, healing, and growth are fostered, um, that God is at work. Um, and, so, and then we have our mission, which is how do we get to the vision? What, what do we believe that we need to be about, what we need to be doing uh, to accomplish the mission, to see God accomplish the mission that he's put in our hearts. Uh, and, and so we see that as um, our, our mission is to connect with our neighbor, uh, to build relationships, uh, and to connect them into a community, to introduce them to a community where they then come to know and follow Jesus. Uh, and, and I think um, as, we, as we take a look at this vision that he's given us to be these types of people, these types of disciples and disciple makers who are devoted to one another, who are devoted to fostering these types of things in community. And then we see the mission, uh, how do we arrive at this, to connect with others, to build relationships, to introduce them to a community where they can discover Jesus, where they can be changed by him, um, and, and eventually be on mission with him. Um, I, I think it, it becomes easy to see how this series called Stay the Course um, is connected to that mission and vision. As, as I said last week, uh, if Real Life Arizona is going to accomplish the mission and vision that God has given us, if these things are going to become a reality, then there's some essential practices that we will have to live out, um, that we will have to be a church who. We, we will need to be disciples who. Um, It's corporate. It's a thing that we do as a community. It's individual. Uh, It's it's what my life becomes about. It is discipleship. It's what it means to be a disciple. And so for the first four weeks, we covered uh, the first of these essential practices for disciple-making cultures, disciple-making churches. Uh, The first was abide in Christ. 
Uh, next was to reach the lost. Third, connect the unconnected. And finally, pursue those who wander. You know, the common theme in these is the importance of connection to Christ. It starts with me and my connection to him in abiding, in staying close. Uh, the call to abide is a call for me, as one of the sheep of his pasture, the sheep of the good shepherd, to stay close. That I can follow his instructions, that I can come under his care and protection and provision. And then it's for those around me that, that as I stay close to the Father, he gives me a heart to want to reach the lost. That, that when I come across people who are far from God, those people in my own life and in my own community that I know are far from God, then in my abiding, he gives me a heart to bring them close, a heart to move them towards the Father. It gives me a heart as well to look at those who are in the church, who have been in the church, but now find themselves disconnected from the body of Christ, disconnected from the Father. We cannot abide in the Father without abiding in the body. And so I understand the importance of connecting unconnected people into the body of Christ. And, and those who had previously been connected but find themselves wandering, he gives me a heart to leave the 99 and to go after the one knowing that everyone has value. And we talked last week about um, this world, uh, th that it's a tough place for the people of God. That, that as Jesus sought to express the love and care and concern and compassion that the Father has for his people, that he so often uses the, the imagery of sheep and shepherd. And he, and he reminds us that he is this good shepherd. But he wants us to know that there's a thief that there's an enemy, that there are wolves, that there is a lion, and, and that we, when we are disconnected, when we are wandering on our own in the world, we are more vulnerable than ever. And so he gives me a heart to pursue those who have wandered, that they may be again brought close. This week we're going to talk about two of the final essential practices for disciple-making churches, shepherding to spiritual maturity and equipping and releasing leaders. You know, if the first four are about connection to Christ and his body, about connecting the unconnected, pursuing those who have wandered and bringing them back into connection to Christ, then these two we can think about as what he calls us to do as those who are connected to the vine as those who are abiding. What we do as the connected and, and what we do with those who are connected. You know, I think as we're going to see in the passage for this morning, there's, there's, really two call, there's really two things in play here in shepherd to spiritual maturity and equipping and releasing leaders. It's the call to grow myself and to shepherd others on their journey of spiritual maturity. Scripture uses the language of spiritual children, spiritual young people, spiritual fathers and mothers. And the reality is we're all in this process somewhere. Regardless of where we are on a spectrum of spiritual maturity, we're all in this process somewhere. We all have places to grow and room to grow. And we all need others in this journey with us. 
So, so there's a call to grow and the call to be uh, a shepherd in the growth of others and their journey. And then there's the call to be equipped and the call to turn and equip others. You know, I think any close examination of Jesus and his work of discipleship among the disciples will reveal that this is the very thing that Jesus was doing with them. It was part of the call that we see in Matthew 4, 19. Jesus, seeing some of the fishermen along the Sea of Galilee, called them and he simply said, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And it's from this that we understand that a disciple is someone who is following Jesus. Someone who is being changed by him. And ultimately someone who is on mission with him. Shepherding to spiritual maturity. Equipping and releasing leaders. Jesus was all about intentional shepherding. That in his journey with the disciples, he was forming them and shaping them. From spiritual infants who understood nothing of his mission and purpose to full-fledged disciples and apostles who would go out and change the world. Uh, There was intentional equipping that he was giving them a place to play. That that he would send them out to minister and let them come back in for further equipping. But I, I wonder sometimes if we think or we tend to think that that was something unique for the disciples. That, that this call to be on mission, this call to be consistently changed by Jesus, might have just been for the twelve and not for those who followed. I think we, we live in a world of loopholes, right? And so often we're just trying to find a loophole that will excuse us out of an obligation, uh, excuse us out of Uh, something that we would perhaps rather not do. Maybe because it's costly. Maybe because we're afraid. But are we called to grow in the same ways as those original disciples? Are we called to be equipped? Is, Is the vision for the church today, the vision that Jesus had for the disciples in his day? And as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, our passage for today, we're going to find that the answer to those questions is a resounding yes. An absolute, emphatic yes. That that the vision that Jesus had for the disciples of his day, Paul had for those under his care, under his shepherding in his day. Uh, Before we get to Ephesians chapter 4, because sometimes I just hate to like, just plunk down in chapter 4 of a book that we have no context for. I, I thought it would be interesting to just take a quick journey from Ephesians chapter 1 on our way to the passage in Ephesians chapter 4. And and I think it's going to give us a little bit of a picture of what Paul has been painting for the church in Ephesus. Uh, And as we get ready to open scripture, let me just pray for our time together. Heavenly Father, you're such a good God. We know that every good and perfect gift has come down from you. Uh, That includes your word your presence, your Holy Spirit, your, your people, your church, to walk alongside us. Lord, we pray that you would speak through your word this morning, uh, that what we do not yet know, that you would teach us. 
and what we are not yet that you would help us to become. Would you do it, Father, through your spirit, through your word, through you living in us? Would you awaken us to new truths today? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, I want to take a quick walk through Ephesians today. The the picture that Paul is trying to paint for these people in Ephesus, and it starts in Ephesians chapter 1, where he tells them that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That, That when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. And that when we were far off, when we were those who were lost and far from God, that God brought us near through the blood of Christ. I realized this morning that there was one important scripture that got left off of here for Paul's purposes, and that's Ephesians 2.10, which tells us that we are his workmanship. And by the way, I believe that when Paul said we are his workmanship, well, actually he said you are his workmanship. If if Paul was from Texas, he would have said y'all are his workmanship, right? Don't get me wrong, you are a work of God. But what Paul is saying is the church is God's workmanship. That that all of the different gifts and personalities and abilities that God has put into the church, that the church might reflect his glory to the world, the church is his workmanship. You are his workmanship. Y'all are his workmanship. And you've been created for purposes that God set forth in ages past, that you would walk in them today, that we would walk in the purposes and the plans that he has for us today. And then I thought this was really cool. In in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul says, You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. What a picture of discipleship. What a picture of shepherding others. That Paul understands that the grace that was given to him was for others. And then he turns and says in Ephesians chapter 4, but you know, grace wasn't just given to me for this purpose. Grace was given to each one of us, to all of us, according to the measure of Christ's gift. That's why it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives. And he gave gifts to men. We're getting into Ephesians chapter 4 here. And and as we do in this next section, I'd just like to invite you to listen for the language of growing in spiritual maturity. Of being shepherded in spiritual maturity. Of shepherding others. Of being equipped. Of being released to minister to others in the body. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11, Paul writes, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to equip the saints for building up the body of Christ until we all attain. It's a goal for all of us. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and womanhood, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, but instead of remaining children, rather we should speak the truth in love so that we can grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, when each part is working properly, when, when each part is growing in maturity, when each part is being equipped and released to minister, that is what makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain unity of the faith, mature manhood, womanhood, that we would no longer be children, but instead would grow up in every way into Him. That, that when each part is maturing and functioning properly, that the body grows, that it builds itself up in love. Shepherding to spiritual maturity, equipping and releasing to minister. The design for the body is clear. What Christ has intended, what Paul understood, And the call is clear, and the call is for all. So what exactly is shepherding to spiritual maturity? As I said, we're, we're all on this journey somewhere, and we all need others along the journey with us to shepherd us. Far too often, the church allows people to try to figure this out on their own. But, but spiritual maturity does not happen in a vacuum. Spiritual maturity happens in relationship, in community, in the body of Christ, as we abide with him and abide in the body. Somebody asked this week what the difference between shepherding and discipling is. I think they're essentially synonymous. The reason I love the word shepherding is because I, I think it conveys that love and care and concern and compassion of a shepherd for the sheep. And I think so often when we talk about discipleship or discipling someone, our minds just immediately go to more education, more information. But discipleship and shepherding aren't just all about information and education. It's about life-on-life -life transfer. It's about transformation, much more than it is information. And it comes through that love and care and concern for one another. I love the definition of disciple-making or shepherding that I came across 
this week. Santa Yinger uh, says this, that disciple-making, substitute shepherding, is a sacred journey of coming alongside a person as they grow in following Jesus in every area of their life. It's a sacred journey of coming alongside another person as they grow in following Jesus in every area of their life. I remember when I first came into the church, I had no idea <laughs> that, that anything in Scripture applied to my life personally. But I'm so grateful for the people who were around me that helped me to understand that Scripture spoke to the ideas of being a man of integrity, of being a husband, of being a father, that, that the Word has so much to say about our daily lives. And so disciple-making and shepherding are about helping others figure out what kingdom living looks like in their current stage of life. And my role, your role, is for that current stage in life. I think sometimes we get overwhelmed with trying to figure out how we're going to take a person from where they are today to full spiritual maturity. That maybe we don't feel like we are capable of that. But can you enter into the season of life that they're in today? Can you come alongside them and help them figure out what kingdom living looks like today? And as you do that, and as the need increases, the Lord will put someone in their path for the next stage of the journey. But the thing is, they need someone today. And until we understand that we have an opportunity to enter into that sacred journey, if even for a season, that it's a tremendous gift, a tremendous blessing to the other. You know, I've been thinking this week about how God does exactly that, that he puts different people in our lives in different seasons for different purposes. And I've, as I've gone and looked back over my life, almost every new season of flourishing spiritually was because of a new person or a new community. That, that it was never in a vacuum. It was never on my own. It was always because of someone else who had come alongside me and was helping me to walk and understand Christ in new ways. Just this past week, a good friend, a sister in Christ, who has, comes from a different background, has some different understandings of, of, and probably deeper understandings and more background in some areas of the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare. Um, and I was sharing some things with her this week, and, and it was a story, I won't get into it today, but it was just how God was confirming something that he had already revealed the previous week and the week before that. But she added a piece that I hadn't seen. <laughs> she, she helped me to see a bigger picture and helped me to understand what that meant. And so uh, as, I, as I shared with her about this medallion that I came across and how it was a confirmation of some other things that God was showing me, she said, but it's also God revealing to you what is at work in the community around you. That, that there are spiritual forces of wickedness right around you and right around the area where your church gathers on Sunday mornings. That, that the enemy is seeking footholds and territories 
everywhere he can get them. And so as a result of her entering into my sacred journey and opening my eyes in a different way, this Saturday, yesterday, I found myself walking through the neighborhood and praying in different ways than I ever had before. But I wouldn't have been doing that if it wasn't for a sister in Christ who had come along and entered into my sacred journey. Uh, Another friend reached out to me about a retreat. It was called a desert contemplation retreat. Any retreat sounds nice. (laughs) But as I got the details on the logistics and all these things, and Heather's encouraging me to go, um, and I trust this man, uh, I trust him. Um, And so I knew that there was some good reason why he was inviting me. But I just had to ask a question that made me feel stupid. I said, can you just help me understand contemplation? I mean, that's obviously at the core of this retreat. What is contemplation? And as he spent the next few minutes describing contemplation and the things that would happen on that retreat, the spirit inside of me just began to melt (laughs) some things that were going on and, and confirmed to me that that was exactly where I needed to be. That, that God had put someone from my journey a decade ago into my life today for another season, for another step along the way. And if it wasn't for the people that God has placed into my life who, who were willing to enter into my journey, trust me, I would still be a spiritual infant. My wife would still be dealing with that to this day. But I've been blessed by others who were willing to enter in. And and this is what discipleship looks like. To enter into the journey. To encourage another in their walk. And to press them towards Christ. To encourage them in their walk. And to press them deeper into Christ. And and I think those two things are so important because we can be friends and we can hang out. But if I'm not pressing you deeper into Christ and encouraging you to go deeper, then I'm not truly discipling you. I'm not truly shepherding you. I should be leading you to the still water where you can find the Lord. I should be helping you understand the green pastures that he wants to invite you into. Help you understand the spiritual battle that you face. The call that you've received. Pressing and encouraging towards him. That they might be changed by Christ. So that's what shepherding towards spiritual maturity looks like. It's entering into the journey. It's pressing them towards Christ encouraging one another daily, as the author of Hebrews says. And the second part this week is equipping and releasing leaders to minister. You know, I think a big piece of this is to ask ourselves, is my heart in alignment with being equipped? The word may say that I should be equipped, but do I have a desire? Am I willing to receive that? And to walk in that. 
So, so there's a desire and a willingness to be equipped, that, that I understand that my life is about something other than just myself, that, that my life is about the others that God has put in front of me, that it's about my neighbor, that I have a heart for those things. And out of that comes a desire to be equipped that I can begin to reach, that I can begin to shepherd, that I begin to pressing them closer and closer to the Lord. And then a willingness to turn and equip others. I think that's that picture that Paul gave us in Ephesians 4 of the body building itself up, of growing in maturity, growing and equipping when each part is working properly. You know, we're not going to cover it this morning, but in our small groups this week, we'll see this process of equipping that Jesus did with his disciples in Luke chapter 9. And we're going to look at that story in our small groups this week and, and see what God is trying to teach us about equipping and releasing. You know, the disciples had observed and watched and asked questions, but Jesus knew that eventually they needed to get in the game. That, that sitting in the seat of a spectator for years and years on end will never bring us to maturity, will never allow us to be fully equipped. And I love how Jesus didn't wait until they were 100% certain that they were ready. <laughs> and he didn't wait until I was 100% certain that I was ready either. Uh, because I would probably still be waiting 15, 20 years later, wondering when I was going to be ready. But instead, Jesus pressed them into discovering God at work in them and through them. You know, yesterday it was so cool. Um, the Bells started having some block parties this fall uh, and, and eventually started a small group at their house. And, and there's one couple that they, they met simply as a result of these block parties and got connected to them that's now coming to the small group. Um, and we discovered along the way that it's a couple who um, currently attends a Seventh-day Adventist church. And so for the last, what is it, Brian, maybe two months? Uh, we, we've been connecting with them in this small group and seeing how much they value and appreciate the community. And, and he let us know last week or the week before that they were having a, um, what do they call it, like a youth Sunday. Uh, and so the pastor was out of town. They were inviting, he and his wife, uh, this couple, they help with the young adults at the Seventh-day Adventist church. And, and so they basically tasked them <laughs> with putting on the service while the pastor was out of town. And, and he let us know this, and I don't know, but I think he was probably surprised that like pretty much everyone in the small group was like, oh man, we're going to be there. We'll, we will be there. And so six of us, well actually seven, I believe, Julia Bell was there, um, walked into a Seventh-day Adventist church for the first time and watched Cliff share his first sermon and had a chance to encourage him afterwards and meet some other folks from his church uh, and, and just step into his community. And I always feel weird <laughs> telling another grown man that I'm proud of him, but those were the words that came out of my mouth. That I was proud of him. for doing what God was calling him to do, for doing something he'd never done before, and something I promise you he was incredibly nervous about and probably felt ill-equipped for. 
And I think that's why we have to redefine what success is in discipleship. You know, success is not being flawless. Success is not giving the most amazing sermon that anyone has ever heard. Sometimes success is just saying yes. Sometimes success is just faithfulness and obedience to what God is asking. Success is growing and maturing and being changed. Success is saying yes to being used by God. And so when it comes to this equipping and releasing, sometimes we just have to redefine success. Redefine it the way scripture does, the way Jesus did. That success looks like this process of being changed, this process of becoming faithful and obedient to what God is asking of us. Well, as I close today, I just want to share some practical stuff. Because I think it's great to talk about shepherding. It's great to talk about equipping. But what does it look like? And I think it's really important that we make it simple. Because sometimes we're convinced that it's this big, complex thing that we can't wrap our mind around when really it's just about entering the sacred journey, having time and proximity with people. You know, one of the things that came out of our discussions this week is that it doesn't have to be adding another thing to your schedule, but it can be inviting people into what you are already doing. I know more than once we've invited friends and, and family to our kids' sporting events. Uh, that's a great opportunity to sit and hang out and find community with others to build those relationships. Uh, inviting people along, this sounds crazy. It may sound crazy to you. It took a while for them to convince us that this was discipleship. But inviting someone to run errands with you can be discipleship. Inviting someone to your house to do meal prep is discipleship. Wherever you have time and proximity with someone that you want to pour into, and it's in a space where you can have significant conversations about significant things, you have an opportunity to enter their journey and to speak into their lives. Uh, I was thinking this week, you know, my, my, favorite, my wife's favorite place to disciple young women is... It's called First Church of Target. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But it's got this big bullseye on the front. And I think the bullseye means this is the way, right? Like, you have found the right place. This is where you bring people to disciple them. Um, but it started out with a young mom who had two kids. And my wife remembered how hard shopping with two kids is. And so she started inviting her on weekly Target runs. And she would help with the kids and help with the shopping. Now it's something that she does with Jasmine. Um, she asked Jasmine, hey, do you, do you want to go through some kind of like book or something, you know? And Jasmine's like, no, Target's where it's at. Um, but they talk about life. They have meaningful conversations with one another about what's really going on, about what's really important. And, and it's in those relational environments that we have an opportunity to go deeper with someone than casually standing around on Sunday morning. Deeper even than some of our discussions in small group. That as we get time, as we get in greater proximity to people, the, the layers begin to peel off. 
that we find that people are safe. And it's a place where I can be real and authentic about my struggles. That, that I can find healing and, and uh, restoration through the encouragement of another. You know, I came across a great acronym this week. I'd love to figure out how to get this to you guys somehow this week. Maybe we can put it on social media or something. Um, but, you know, I think so often we're like, well, what do I have to offer? Like, what do I have to offer someone? You know, I don't, I don't have a seminary degree. I'm trying to undo some of the parts of my seminary degree. Okay, so maybe it's good that you don't have one. Um, <laughs> that was actually a key piece of the retreat I was being invited to by a s- former seminary professor. I was like, oh man, yeah, that's what seminary did to me. Um, and, and so, what do I have to offer another person? And I just thought this was this acronym CARES was so simple. You may have some knowledge that they need about who God is and who they are. How simple is that? Right? Just some knowledge that they need about who God really... We did a whole series on who God really is and who you really are. And how are they looking for God to be a part of every area of their life? You do as Jesus did, and you listen, and you observe their conversations and their behavior. What attitudes do they have that can be roadblocks or assets in loving God and loving others? What is God bringing to light to grow or to change? So there's knowledge, there's attitude, relationships, exploring healthy relationships they have, broken relationships that they have. Who is in their network of relationships? What relationships do they need or need to rethink? Experiences, hearing about their significant experiences in their life journey, how that fits into what God is asking. So knowledge, attitude, relationships, experiences, and skills and habits. What habits are driving their internal life, their external life? What are roadblocks? What habits and skills can be introduced to them? to help them in their walk with the Lord. You know, as I, I looked at this acronym this week, it, it just so happened that my wife was going out to lunch um, with a woman uh, that she's known for several years. And I just thought about how interesting it is that when, when God moved us here 15 years ago from Tucson, uh, you know, we, we only knew what we knew. We knew he was moving us up here. But, but it seemed like the big piece, the big Part of it was to get me closer to seminary and closer to my professors and and closer to all of that. Um, But little did we know that God was up to something much bigger than that. That that what we didn't know, what we didn't see, and I think what was bigger than any of the rest of it, was that God was connecting my wife to a community of women. uh, And to one woman in particular. uh, A woman who entered into a sacred journey of friendship. A sacred journey of shepherding a sacred journey of discipleship with a young mom of four kids. That's what you were back then. That's what I was. <laughs> <laughs> I turned 50 next week, so there's a lot of focus on age going on right now. Um, but a young mom of four little kids, and life was, trust me, I was there. Life was chaos, right? Like kids making themselves corn dogs at 7 o'clock in the morning. That was survival, people. Um, <laughs> life was chaos. They weren't making it themselves. 
No. <laughs> I don't know. But a young mom of four kids living in a new city, in a new season of life, trying to figure out what this new journey her husband was on meant for her. But this relationship, this journey of shepherding and friendship and discipleship has now been going on for 15 years. 15 years of coming alongside. 15 years of encouraging. 15 years of helping to grow up. What a privilege it is to see others benefit from the fruit of our lives as we come alongside them, enter into their journey, see God at work, see lives transformed, homes transformed, people walking in new things, in new ways. That's the vision of real life Arizona. That's what God is calling us to be and become. Is to be those people who enter in. Be the people who show up. Be the people who invite. Invite them to follow. To become. To be changed. And ultimately, to be on mission. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you. for the privilege of being invited, for the privilege of being called into what you are doing in this world. It still blows me away that while we were far from you, while we were lost, while we were still sinners, lost, with no clue or idea of how to find our way home. When we were that, you died for us. How much more now do you want to give yourself to us? That we might grow into the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that your body may grow and build itself up in love. For all the world to see. So we give you thanks, Lord. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. Amen. We have one last song to close, and it we spend time in song, like praising and worshiping, and like ascribing characteristics of the Lord back to Him. Um, but this song is actually something that we're able to receive out of scripture, something that the Lord speaks over his children and a blessing that he speaks over you and your spouse and your family. Um, so I encourage you guys, if you want to stand, if you want to sit, um, just take this time to be able to sit in the Lord's presence and just receive something good that he has for you. Um, i
Thank you for joining us. Real Life Arizona is located in Scottsdale, Arizona, and exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. For more information about Real Life, please visit our website at reallifearizona.com or email us at info at May God richly bless you.